0: What is it? all right good morning everybody who's excited to be here today open your bibles with me then please to the gospel of matthew chapter 27 matthew 27 please today we join with uh, christians from literally all around the world as we gather in churches in homes some even through persecution in secret hidden hiding places. But we all gathered together on this day to celebrate that 2,000 years ago, the God-man, Jesus of Nazareth, who was scourged, beaten, later crucified and hung on the cross and died, was laid inside a tomb on Friday. But on Sunday morning, the stone was rolled away. Jesus was not there. He had risen from the dead and that event brothers and sisters changes everything changed everything now um, I love the resurrection the Easter season I love it because of course the the grass begins to turn a little greener the days get a little bit longer and here in New Hampshire we finally start to get a little bit warmer but I love this season most of all because resurrection Sunday is the anniversary of hope and not just uh, any kind of hope, but a living hope that is available through Jesus Christ in the new birth through our Lord. In fact, before we begin this morning, um, would you guys mind joining me? and we can read aloud this verse I have up here on the screen, First Peter chapter 1 verse three. If we um, collectively read this together and, and really give praise and give thanks and glory to, an incredible God who has made a way for us. So let's proclaim this truth aloud. First Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Amen. If there's one thing that this world needs more than anything right now, it's a living hope that we only have in Christ Jesus. Um, I want to talk to you today about that hope this morning, and, because really the first glimmer this world ever saw that there could be um, eternal life, and that, that hope was the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It's when he conquered sin and death, and that's why we are here today. But I also want to talk to you about the day after the resurrection. And ask the question, so what? So what? So what if all of this is true and we believe Jesus did indeed rise from the dead? Then what difference is that going to make in our lives? What difference is it going to make in our homes? In our towns? In our schools? In our nation? Again, today we gather together together in mass millions upon millions of confessing believers people from all around the world celebrating this greatest event in history but again will our homes will our towns will our nation be any different the day after today so i want us to consider this morning some of the days before and some of the days after the resurrection in jerusalem And keep something in mind. When Jesus entered Jerusalem at that uh, Passover week before he was crucified. There was um, massive messianic anticipation. Word had spread that Jesus had just risen his friend Lazarus from the dead. Who, by the way, had been dead, dead in a tomb for four days. And when Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, you had all these witnesses who saw this miracle. And word had spread that something incredible was happening. So everybody was already talking about Jesus. He was the buzz of the town. And now he's come to Jerusalem. What's he going to do next? Is he going to confront those zealous religious leaders? What is he going to do next? But as crazy as things were before his crucifixion. The days following the resurrection, were total pandemonium. And there were certain events that happened that literally shook Jerusalem. And they would never be the same again. So I want to talk to you about two basic things you'll see in your notes. Disturbances and responses. Disturbances and the responses. There were some pre-resurrection disturbances that happened in Jerusalem. And then there were some post-resurrection responses. So let's look at the Gospel of Matthew this morning. Matthew chapter 27. Uh, Let's begin by just looking at um, the first three verses there together, beginning in verse 51. Three verses, 51 through 53 of Matthew chapter 27. The Bible says, And behold, this this is when Jesus died on the cross. Behold, The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. We're told about three disturbances that happened when Jesus died on the cross number one there was a ceremonial disturbance a ceremonial disturbance we saw in verse 51 it says the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom now the temple designation here doesn't refer to the temple as a whole but specifically it refers to the in, inner sanctuary of Called the Holy of Holies. And it was sub- certainly symbolic to where um, God's presence dwelt. Now, let me tell you a little something about the veil. Um, this was a huge uh, woven veil, um, it was about 60 feet long and about 30 feet wide. It took 300 men to lift it into place, we're told. It was absolutely enormous and very beautifully decorated. The veil was a real attention getter as you walked into the temple courts and it separated the Holy of Holies um, from the rest of the temple. Now once a year the high priest um, was allowed to, to pass through the veil on the day of atonement and it's where he would sprinkle the blood on the altar for the sins of the people and he was only allowed in there for a brief moment of time the ritual had to be repeated every single year and anticipated the one true sacrifice for sins that the son of God himself one day would offer but as long as that veil was there it was like a a huge sign to worshipers who were in the temple courts and although it didn't read it it could have said warning keep out no one is allowed beyond this point Only the high priest, again, was allowed once a year. But when Jesus died, the veil was torn in two. In effect, God was saying, come on in. Come on in. It was God kicking the door down, if you will, and letting the people come in. He was saying, in the death of my son Jesus, the way is now open. There is total access to my holy presence. He has paid the full price of sin. The sin barrier has been removed for you, for all of you who will put your trust in Jesus Christ. The writer to the Hebrews said it this way, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. But sadly, as beautiful as that was, I read that after the veil was torn, the high priest had it repaired and he had it sewn back up and they continued business as usual until the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And isn't that typical? God tears the veil down. Men sew it back up. God makes things simple. Men comes along and complicates it with religion. Religion. God wants a relationship with people. People want to settle for rules and ceremonies and rituals. I have a question for you this morning. Are you relying on a ceremony for your right standing with God? Are you saying, well, you know, I was baptized, therefore I'm going to get into heaven. Or I've been confirmed in a church, therefore I'm going to heaven. Or I go to church, therefore I'm going to heaven. To heaven. I hope you're not relying on that ceremony. I hope that you have a real relationship. With Jesus Christ. And he's a lot more important to you. Than something that you did. Five years ago. So there was a ceremonial. Disturbance. There's a second kind of disturbance. That happened that day when Jesus died. It was a seismic disturbance. It was seismic. The Bible says in. Verse 51, that the earth shook and the rocks split. Now, I've never experienced personally a powerful earthquake before, but um, as I was telling our group, I was in San Francisco um, a few years after that massive quake in 1989 and saw the destruction and spoke to many people about it. And I know from talking to people out there that earthquakes sure have a way of getting people's attention. And no doubt God was getting theirs this day. I'll share a great story I heard from a woman who was walking through the rubble of her home after this great earthquake uh, had, that she had experienced in San Francisco. And as she walked through what used to be her home, she kept saying, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! And somebody saw her and said, How can you praise the Lord at a time like this? She said, I praise the Lord that I know the God who can shake this world. Has your world been shaken recently? Maybe you're experiencing a uh, relational earthquake today. One of those close relationships that you had is being tested. Or maybe it's a a medical earthquake. Something is happening to you physically. I'm going through it right now. With my tooth, I got a nasty infection up my ear and down my throat. Continue to pray for me. I can finish this lesson. Or what about even financial hardship? Suddenly, you don't know how it is that you're going to make ends meet. And here's my question. Will that disturbance move you closer to the Lord or further from the Lord? If life is being disturbed, will it move you closer to Him or further from Him? There was a third kind of a disturbance that happened that day on Jesus' crucifixion and I'll call it a cemetery disturbance. There was a disturbance in a cemetery. It says in verse 15, the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, that means dead, were raised and coming out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now, This is just getting more bizarre with every verse. It's turning into night of the living dead in Jerusalem. Uh, Matthew points out that God is selectively raising those from the dead. Many, not all, but many believers from the Old Testament uh, who are now just physically showing up there in town. So these are physically raised people in glorified bodies who put their faith in God under the old covenant some of these people could have been dead 50 100 years thousands of years and when Jesus died their spirits came from the abode of the righteous and were joined together with their glorified bodies uh, that came out from the graves and the people it says saw them they saw them can you imagine walking around Jerusalem and seeing Elijah the prophet <laughs> I don't know, you know maybe Moses uh, Ruth uh, Rachel Uh, King David, that would get people's attention. What if John the Baptist showed up carrying his own head? That'd be a little bizarre. Now, why? 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 I've asked this, why? What is the purpose of these dead people walking in Jerusalem? I'm going to call it a preview of coming attractions. A preview of coming attractions. It's important to know that Jesus rose from the dead first. He was divinely appointed to be the first fruits of those who are asleep. First Corinthians chapter 15. It was a, a, demonstra- it was a demonstration that um, not only can Jesus Christ conquer his own death, but Jesus Christ can conquer every person's death who has ever been born for everyone who believes in him and doesn't. Everyone will be raised from the dead. And this group was the first group of people to experience their resurrection. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 28, that the hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. So these are just a few of the pre-resurrection disturbances that we see. Now I want to talk to you about post-resurrection responses. How did all the people respond to all this that was going on? Jesus died. The earth was shaken. The veil was torn in two. And then Jesus rose from the dead, and dead people started walking around in town. What happened? What was their response? Matthew chapter 28. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. thank you brother now after the sabbath as the first day of the week began to dawn mary magdalene and the other mary came to see the tomb and behold there was a great earthquake for an angel of the lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it i love that what do you do if you're an angel dispatched from heaven waiting for the women to show up yeah take a seat you sit on the stone uh, verse three, his countenance was like lightning speaking of the angel in his clothing as white as snow and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he is risen as he said, come See the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Verse eight. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to his disciples word. Drop down to um, verse 11. Now. While they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city. This is the Roman guard. And they reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together. They gave a large sum of money to the soldiers saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, We will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So there were three responses. Response number one, some people try to stamp it out. Some people try to stamp it out. The Jewish leadership had been trying to get rid of Jesus since he was an infant. Herod, you'll remember, tried eliminating Jesus by slaughtering all the male babies in his province, two years old and under, in order to remove what was supposed to be a threat to his throne. So this has a long history. The religious leaders have uh, accused Jesus, we've seen in our study through John, working miracles in the power of Satan, of being a friend to sinners, of breaking God's law by healing on the Sabbath, and of blasphemy for claiming to be equal with God and using the very name of God, implying it to himself. They perverted both biblical and rabbinical justice in order to convict him. They employed blackmail to get him crucified and used armed forces to try to keep Jesus' body In the grave. And now, here, they've engaged in bribery in order to hide the truth of the Lord's resurrection. So they paid off the guards to keep this incredible news from the fellow Jews, fearing that many would then accept him as their Messiah. They also feared losing their own influence over the people, that of course came with great power and privilege and wealth. So they came up with one of the very first lies of what happened to Jesus's body in the tomb. Matthew notes in verse 15 that this saying, this lie spread by the leaders is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So, in other words, all these years later, many of the Jewish people still believe this is what happened to Jesus's body. His followers stole his body. It, it, it's popular but it's a ridiculous theory and for a number of reasons number one there was a, a Roman guard watching the tomb that means there are between anywhere from 8 to 16 well armed well trained um, people watching the tomb and um, number two the disciples were in um, no mood of leaving where they were hiding to go grab a dead body um, They were afraid of the Jews, as we just discussed, or were hiding locked away in the upper room. And then number three, Roman soldiers don't sleep while they're on guard. The penalty of sleeping was death. Okay, Um, That's why the chief priest says in verse 14, we'll appease the governor if word comes to him. We'll make sure that you're okay. And then number four, even if the guard had fallen asleep, and let's say the disciples were suddenly emboldened and moved to go and steal the lord's body i think that the noise of moving a two-ton stone would probably have woken up those soldiers but here's the truth the the jewish leaders wanted to stamp it out because they knew that once this news got out and got around jerusalem everything would be different so they thought uh, we got to put an end to this right now so they conceived a lie But it didn't work. It didn't work. Within just a few short months after the resurrection, they figured there were about 20,000 new converts running around the streets of Jerusalem because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They tried to stamp it out. It didn't work. It didn't work. Some of you today, you've been fighting Jesus Christ for a long time in your life. Maybe someone watching at home. And I don't know who you are, but I've been praying for you All week long. And the Lord knows who you are. God knows when the time will come. When he will pry open that old heart. And my prayer is today is that day. That's the first response. Some people tried to stamp it out. Here's the second response we see. Some people wanted to speak it out. Some wanted to speak it out. There were some women. Who came to the tomb early. And they saw that the stone had been rolled away. They're wondering who did this. Uh, uh, what happened were were there grave robbers Uh, this was very popular during the time so as we saw the angel showed up and answered them in verse 5 28 Matthew 28 verse 5 the angel said to the women do not be afraid for i know that you seek jesus who was crucified he is not here for he is risen as he said come see the place where the lord lay Uh, verse 7 and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and indeed he is going before you into Galilee there you will see him behold I have told you the angel wanted to turn their uh, Easter fascination into a resurrection proclamation don't just stand there ladies and look at the tomb go tell his disciples go go tell his disciples and so we're told in verse eight they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word go and tell let me tell you something it's great to celebrate resurrection sunday i love this day but don't stay at the empty tomb don't stay at the empty tomb enjoy it uh, revel in it celebrate it but you have a message to go out and proclaim So what about you? Will you go and tell? Will you go and tell somebody? That's what the angel said. Go and tell. And they went out quickly and they told. Will you go and tell people Christ has given you new life in Christ? That Jesus Christ died for your sins. That you have been forgiven by the grace of God. Will you tell them you know the one who raises the dead? Paul says in Romans Chapter 10, verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of priests who bring glad tidings of good things. And don't forget where the true power lies it's not if you can convince your neighbor uh, with some kind of argument or intellect Paul adds down in verse 17 faith comes by what hearing and hearing not my words not your words but the word of God the word of God so I hope that in these days after today that you will speak out God's truth more now than ever before so those are Two responses. Some people wanted to stamp it out. Some people wanted to speak it out. And then here's a third response we see. Some people wanted to check it out. Some people wanted to check it out. And that was some of the disciples. In Matthew chapter 28, we go to verse 16. It says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, this is Jesus, when they saw him, They worshipped him, but some doubted. That would probably be Thomas among the some who doubted. Um, But uh, the gospel tells us the rest of the story. The other gospels, especially John and Luke, fill us in. So here's the timeline. Uh, When Jesus died on the cross and had risen from the dead, the disciples didn't know about it yet. As we've talked about, they're locked away in the upper room hiding. They're discouraged, they're confused. What's next? And then the women show up and they say, He is risen. Now, what do you think their response was? You know, were they excited about it the first time that they heard this great news? Do you think Peter, James, and John, and all the other disciples got up really excited? Uh Luke tells us what actually happened. Uh their words, speaking of the women, their words seemed like idle tales. And they did not believe him. (laughs) Okay? Uh, They thought this was nonsense. Uh, You crazy girls, you don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, But two of them decided to go and check it out. John's gospel tells us about it in John chapter 20, verse 3. John chapter 20, verse 3. Peter, therefore, went out. And the other disciple, that's John... And we're going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. I love how in the middle of the resurrection story, John has to add in, we had a race and I won. (laughs) I got there first. Uh, uh, And he, John, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloth lying there, yet he did not go in. Verse 6 And Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloth lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself, so separate from the rest verse 8 then the other disciple here we go again then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and he saw and he believed so oh i love john john saw the the linen clothes lying there and it says he saw and he believed in other words he looked inside the empty tomb he examined the evidence the objective evidence that was there he saw that the tomb was empty and he believed well You know why he believed? Because he had seen Jesus die and he had seen the brutality of Roman crucifixion upon his Lord. He knew that nobody survives a Roman crucifixion. okay. And after Jesus had died, John 19 tells us that Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body. Uh, He granted him the body and old friend Nicodemus there came. Uh, he brought with a mixture of myrrh and aloes, uh, weighing almost 100 pounds. Uh, they took Jesus' body and wrapped it with linen and spices, according to the Jewish customs. That meant every limb, okay? Both arms, both legs were individually wrapped with cloth. And in between each crease, they would apply this aloe mixture. Uh, it would bond it all together and disinfect the the, the smell of uh, decaying flesh it's like a cocoon and they would wrap the rest of his torso then after it was like an encasement and he was placed in the tomb so john walked in checking it out he saw that the linen was just lying there in its folds the handkerchief that had been around jesus's head wasn't with the linen cloths but folded the bible says in a place by itself now um if you could have been in the tomb that morning when jesus arose Um, What would we have seen? What what, what would it look like? Would would you have seen a man sort of struggling to unwrap himself um, from these bandages and moving around trying to free himself? Uh, Nope. Uh, Based on our description here, you probably would have simply passed right through it. And then you would have seen all that cloth just collapse like a flat tire. Again, that's why it's ridiculous to say that somebody, even the disciples, stole his body. If you're going to uh, walk in and steal the body, you're going to take the whole thing. You're going to take the whole encasement. You're going to take the time to unwrap all of this there and, and then wrap it up so it looks nice and good. No, you're just going to take all of it. Three responses that day. Some wanted to stamp it out. Some wanted to speak it out. Some wanted to check it out. And I wonder which you are this morning. Uh, of course, the majority of you here today are followers of of jesus christ you love him you serve him he is your lord um so you want to speak it out and i want to encourage you to do that um let the day after easter be as significant in your life as the day of easter itself but for those of you who feel uh you're still maybe mm, checking things out uh, maybe you're examining some of the evidence let me submit to you um you have all the evidence that you need It is historical documentation. It is eyewitness accounts. The prophecies of the Old Testament that we haven't even gotten to. Written hundreds of years in advance. You have the evidence of the earliest followers of Christ. The apostles who were willing to die for what they believed in. And that's a question you can ask yourself. How do you explain a group of cowards stuck up, hidden away in the upper room, full with fear, suddenly turning into bold witnesses and all of them testifying to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? They were willing to die for their belief. Now they stole the body or or if they knew that all this was a sham when it came to their lives of being martyred them do you think at least one of them might have caved in and and i was lying it was all made up let me live I'll, i'll show you what we did every apostle died testifying yes jesus of nazareth has risen from the dead and is now highly exalted to the right hand of the father let me also add, you have the evidence of all these people here today in this room and those all around the world who also testify that their lives have been changed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, I want to close this morning. I just want to warn you, when I say close, that means there's still probably at least another 10 minutes or, or some. Uh, by reading a portion of that first powerful sermon that Peter preached in Jerusalem um, on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He preaches a lot better than I can. He uses Psalm 16 in it and the promise that God would never allow the Holy One, the Messiah, to see corruption and to be bound by death, that he would raise him to life. Peter, whose life was Uh, forever changed after he met Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, preached these amazing words. It's Acts chapter 2, if you want to turn there. Acts chapter 2, I'll I'll pick it up in verse 22. We'll we'll read right to 42 because it's that good. (laughs) Peter says, Men of Israel, hear these words. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried in his tomb is with us to this day. We know where he's buried. He's still in it. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne verse 31 he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to hades nor did nor did his flesh see corruption this jesus god raised up and of that we are all witnesses being therefore exalted at the right hand of god and having received from the fra- from the father the promise of the holy spirit he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing for david did not ascend into the heavens but he himself says the lord said to my lord sit at my right hand until i make your enemies your footstool let all the house of israel therefore know for certain that god has made him both lord and christ this jesus whom you crucified Now, when they heard this, these are the the Jews, they were cut to the heart. They were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That would be us. And everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Verse 40. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying save yourselves from this crooked generation. Um, From this crooked generation. Uh, So those who receive his words were baptized and, they, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers what an amazing sight that must have been to witness 3,000 souls crying out in repentance brothers what shall we do Peter called for them to repent put their faith in Jesus Christ he is risen the resurrection of jesus christ is foundational to the christian faith number one the resurrection affirms that jesus is the son of god it affirms that jesus is the son of god romans chapter 1 verse 4 paul says he jesus was declared the son of god with power by the resurrection from the dead it was the resurrection that authenticated his divine Nature. Number two, we would also say that the resurrection affirms that salvation in Christ is complete. Salvation in Christ is complete. Romans chapter 4 has an amazing truth. Paul's, of course, talking about how Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. So he says in verse 23 But the words it was counted or credited to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also Paul says it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespass and look at this and raised for our justification see that for our justification Jesus died on the cross bearing our sins right Uh, but but was God satisfied with his sacrifice uh, did, did god accept it he was he was because god raised him from the dead and, uh, and for our justification paul says in other words god raised christ from the dead it is in god's way certainly affirming the work on the cross is finished it is finished and complete In Christ, Jesus was the perfect sacrificial lamb, the lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. And he was raised, assuring us that in God's sight, sight, he's accomplished our redemption. He paid in full for our sins. He brought us eternal life. Only in Jesus can we receive the forgiveness of sins. And then number three, the resurrection indicates that the church is established. The church is established. Jesus said to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, Hades is a a, a euphemism for for death, the the realm of the dead. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Um, Death didn't. Death couldn't hold him down. Uh, And he then is alive in Ephesians chapter uh, 1 It says, God raised him from the dead, verse 20, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put what things? All things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all so again now we're a part of an association we in the church are connected to we abide in a living god but we don't go to tombs to go find our leader jesus is alive and he's head of, over the church he, he is above all rule, all authority, all power. He presides over every dominion, that the name of Jesus is above every name that is named. And through his resurrection, he put all things under his feet. I woke some of you up. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and affirms the accuracy of scripture. Uh, it declares the deity of Christ. It affirms for us without question that our salvation is complete and that the church is established and then number four i'll really finish this off today the resurrection of jesus also affirms that heaven is waiting that heaven is waiting mom likes to say amen that every time heaven's around heaven is waiting jesus said do not let your hearts be troubled you believe in god believe also in me My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you may also be where I am. All that we would ever want is proven by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what is the significance of the resurrection? The word of God is true. Jesus is an indeed deity. Salvation is complete. The church is established and heaven is waiting. Heaven is waiting. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming, my friends. Jesus extends out his hands of a living hope today. He extends a hand of living hope. He is our hope. The question is then, do you know him? And does he know you? Does he know you? Have you met the risen Christ? Have you fallen at his feet? Do you worship him? Uh, Is he Lord? Is he savior to you? Is he your master? Is he your redeemer? It's not enough to admire him as a good teacher. It's not enough to be curious about him as a, a miracle worker or a healer. He claims to be the only hope, the only savior, the only one who can give life. The only one who can cause you to be delivered from hell and be granted to eternal life in heaven. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There's only one path, one gate that leads to life. Jesus said, "Enter entering through the narrow gates. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, but only a few find it. The thing that makes Christianity distinct is because it alone provides the savior that sinners need. Jesus is living He is the risen Christ. Embrace him as your Lord and Savior. Thanks for hanging in today, folks. If God spoken to your heart this morning, or if you need the prayers of the congregation, we'll have brothers and sisters down front here to pray with you. Uh, Please stand at this time as we sing the song of invitation, Glorious Day, Living He Loved Me, Dying He Saved Me. Amen.